powerful and intriguing tips and tricks for speakers by speakers. Welcome to the Key5 Podcast with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key5 Podcast for speakers by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Jimmy Blackman, a combat experienced leader who has led high-risk missions all over the world and now helps organizations build cohesive teams with purpose and motivate America's millennial generation. Jimmy is also the author of two books, Southern Roots, a memoir of growing up in the South, and Pale Horse, hunting terrorists and commanding heroes with the 101st Airborne Division. Let's get started. So, Jimmy, in um, one sentence, what do you speak about? I speak about leadership and how to maximize the potential of every individual in an organization. I love the sound. My, of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm, uh, it's pretty simple. I, uh, you know, it, as with anything, when you start um, from business to a speaking career and uh, nailing it down to something that's that's a soundbite, the elevator speech uh, is is hard. The old adage of out of I would have written less, but I ran out of time. Uh, holds true, but but leading, inspiring human behavior, trying to maximize the potential of everyone in an organization is is what I'm all about. I love the sound of maximizing potential. That just resonates with me, and even if I'm not part of the millennial generation. Uh, How did you end up in the business of being a speaker? Well, I... I spent 30 years in the military, obviously, but I've always been a storyteller. You know, I was fortunate enough to to grow up at the knee of some old men who liked to sit on a back porch in northern Georgia and tell stories throughout my childhood. And they were just vivid, colorful, uh, charismatic storytellers. They could they could make you taste the blood in your mouth from a fist punch uh, that they received in 1950, you know. And I was mesmerized by the stories. I always uh, would just sit and listen to them. And then I began to to memorize their stories, and I would add to them and tell them. And I remember my grandfather, when I was just a kid, would he thought it was funny to have me tell their stories. And he'd say, Jimmy, tell that story. And and I remember I I would, you know, get laughs. People would just be glued to me even when I was young. So I used this this speaking and storytelling throughout my career in the Army in terms of leadership, and I realized how powerful it was, a tool um, to inspire people uh, to, you know, strategically message things. And so it was a natural transition. Of course, I, I'd written both the books just before I retired from the military, and uh, and Pale Horse was doing quite well, so it provided a platform, uh, you know, I, I'd spent you know, six deployments abroad in the Balkans, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And so a lot of uh, great stories to tell and tangible leadership uh, uh, vignettes. So um, uh, that that just kind of seemed natural to me. Makes sense. Uh, and I love just the, the, the growing up and the, the words you used of even uh, feeling the blood in your mouth as you're being, I mean, hit in a punch. That's just really cool. You, you've learned some real gifts there. So tell me, what, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you got started as a speaker? Well, so the storytelling came easy uh, because it, it was a natural talent. But 
Um, I, I don't know that I underestimated the power or the necessity of getting the content right um, initially, or if it's just natural that it takes some time to really nail down content. So I had all of these stories to tell and I, I knew what worked uh, for me as a leader, practical experience, um, you know, leading thousands of soldiers. Um, but how do you, how do you take that and package it in terms of content that when you speak, people want a piece of that, you can monetize it and, and, and make a living off of it. That, that took me, um, I would say six months before I really felt comfortable with what I had. And of course, uh, I, there, there is no end. Uh, you're constantly working on trying to uh, improve your content, add to it and, uh, and make it better. Absolutely agree. All, all speakers are working on it, but I love that you've given a time frame. I haven't heard anyone do that. And that's neat that you could see a time frame that it takes to get to the point that you can hone it and know you can also monetize it. That's really neat. Jimmy, as you um, curious, because storytelling is so key and I can tell already you're a good storyteller. How do you develop a key story that you might use across multiple presentations? Well, it, you know, the important thing uh, in speaking is you, you want to take folks through this emotional roller coaster. I, I have, so many graphic stories of, of battles. Uh, I happened to be in the battles in which five medals of honor were earned uh, in Afghanistan. And so I have, I have the story to gain that intensity to get them glued to me. Um, but then you've got to make them laugh and you've got to make them then walk away with two or three things that, that they can apply in their lives. And so when I think about telling a story, it, it's okay. How, one of the things I think about a lot is transitions. And I'll tell you, I got this wrong um, when I first started. Uh, I had this story. I tell about this crucible moment in my career where 27 guys were wounded, nine were killed, and how that made me become introspective as a leader and really search my soul for what what do I and only I do in an organization as the leader. And I would tell the story and then I wanted to move on to, okay, now let's get to the applicability and what we can do. But I noticed my audiences were still in this, that you know, they're wild eyed and just glued to me still in this intense moment. And it was hard to then take them on to the next step. And I was like, this, this, I need a transition. I've got to get them out of this horrified state of what just happened to, okay, now we're going to get to the academic part of how do we apply something. I, I finally had to come up with this, this funny story. And I talk about joining Forrest Gump's army and, and how I do what you tell me to do, drill sergeant. It's just this funny little vignette from the movie Forrest Gump, which everybody's seen. It's really funny. They laugh and then I could transition them. But it took me at least a month. I'd given this thing probably four or five times and realized that my audience wasn't transitioning with me and I had to figure out a way to do that. So I've become much more astute at, okay, as we take, we want to have the audience, you know, uh, feel these emotions, laughter, you know, suspense uh, and, and all these things, but we have to be able to transition them from one to the next very smoothly. I love the way you reference transition and many speakers do, but the way you've just described that, Jimmy, is 
very clear to me. And I have to just say, that's wonderful because you have them in this mode of wide eyed, but now you've used a different story, even if it's from Forrest Gump to be able to move them on. That's brilliant. Now, as you have such a story like this, and as you talk to different audiences, I'm sure you must customize because you've got, I don't know, a dry cleaning group to someone else who sells cars. How do you ensure your presentation is relevant to your target audience? Yeah, so I've created a, a kind of menu of options. And so I have, I have several different offerings. Uh, obviously, I do keynotes and, and I do a half-day um, seminar, a full-day seminar, and a two-day seminar. And so, number one, the base of my talk is always the same. It's always going to be about what is leadership. And I define leadership as inspiring human behavior. And everybody from a, a little league soccer coach to a Sunday school teacher to a military leader to a, a leader in corporate America is trying to do the same thing. We're, we're trying to inspire human behavior. We want to maximize the potential of every individual in the organization because the result of that is we will maximize the potential of the organization itself. So that, that applies to everyone. I, I try to get them to understand that we're all in the same business. This is people business. And then I offer a menu of options based on the need of the client uh, in terms of um, time management, delegation, trust and empowerment, all of these attributes of organizations and or leader attributes uh, that they think their business needs the most. And it's and my baseline stays the same. And then I have the ability to take it in any of those different directions. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then all those are modules within my full day and two day. So I already have all that built that I'm, I use when I do the, you know, the full up seminars. So in a keynote, all you've got to do is take your base and then pull out, you know, the, the, the sound bites from those, those modules from the, the larger ones. So you, you're not, you're, you're not having to replicate the work in other words. Yep. Absolutely. Makes sense. Jimmy, um, you know, obviously as a professional speaker, we add value, but we want to get paid for it. Do you ever, do you ever recommend to speakers that they speak for free? And if so, why and when? So I had a guy yesterday, I was in Salt Lake City uh, speaking and a, and a guy came up who wants to be a speaker. He's a, um, a, uh, a counselor. And, um, and he asked the same thing. And I, and I told him, you know, early on, I did some rotary and Kiwanis and stuff like that. Of course, that's free. And if you're good, you'll quickly become in demand because uh, they like the pro bono work. <laughs> but it is an opportunity to, number one, practice for free. <laughs> you know, you, you can mess one up a little bit. That's okay. So I recommend speakers start now. Number one, you want as many, as many iterations as you can get in front of people. Um, you really got, the more you give it in front of people, the better you're going to get. And, mm -hmm. and you want that learning curve to be as steep as possible, as early as possible. So you get your, your content down great early on. Once you get started, you've got to be careful, especially if you get with speakers bureaus. Uh, if, if your pricing model isn't, you know, the, the same everywhere, uh, you know, these, the folks that put these events on talk to one another and you can get yourself in a bind if you're doing some for free, some for, you know, 5,000, some for 10,000, some for 12, you, you've kind of got to decide what you're going to, what you're going to go with. And then you have two options. It's either your honorarium or for free. 
but negotiating can get you kind of in a bind. Wise advice. And I appreciate that insight. Uh, Jimmy, as we start to wrap up here, any secret tips or tricks you could share about speaking with our listeners? I, I think what I said at the end is the greatest advice I, I can give. The, the more you can present in front of people and really just be open to criticism and, and trying to improve your content as quickly as possible, the, the better off you're going to be. Thanks, Jimmy. This has been great. And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about the importance of transitions between key components of your presentation. Like a good play, a good speech alerts the audience to its progress. When Act 1 is finished, we need to know and prepare mentally for Act 2. The easiest way to transition is to repeat what just happened and give a preview of what is about to happen. Oh, we just talked about transitions in your speech. Now let's talk about opens. Okay, we're not really going to talk about opens here, but that's an example of how to prepare your audience mentally for the major subpoints of your talk. Without such flags, an audience is just listening randomly. And you may be entertaining and keep their attention, but without these transitional flags, the prospect that they'll remember and repeat your content is greatly diminished. These transitions also help an audience take notes, stay more interested, they make the talk seem shorter, and they make it easier on you to present as well. Structure is good, and letting the audience know when it changes is a great technique to use when you're on the stage. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. I'm now going to transition to talking about our next Key 5 podcast, where I'll be interviewing Becky McCrary, a speaker who's known as the Carol Burnett of conventions, the Energizer Bunny in high-heeled shoes, and Southern Sass. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.